Hjertelig velkommen til Sjælens Univers, den modige vej. Er du klar til at udforske den modige vej til at følge dine drømme? Jeg hedder Michelle Dion, og sammen skal vi dykke ned i inspirerende historier fra modige sjæle, der har fulgt deres hjerte og skabt deres egne veje. De har inspireret mig, og måske de også kan inspirere dig til at turde gå efter dine drømme. Tak fordi du lytter med. Hej, i dag har jeg glæden af at have Brandon Beal i studiet. Og øh, I kender måske Brandon fra musikkens verden, hvor han har lavet musik med Lucas Graham, Christopher og Kato, Rasmus Hedegaard med flere. Brandon han er fra USA, og derfor kommer dagens episode til at foregå på engelsk. Hello Brandon and welcome. What's up? What's up? What's up? I'm so excited that you're here. I think we've known each other for like more than 10 years. Yeah, probably like 11, 12 years. Yeah, so yeah. I see you as both as my friend, but we also work together. Absolutely. With all the business and money. Yeah, absolutely. And um That's actually what inspired me to do this podcast because every time we talk, it's like we start out with the money yeah. and then we go into the life. Yeah, exactly. And we always go very deep and I appreciate our conversations. Absolutely. And then I was just like, okay, we should do a podcast because we, there's so many things that <laughs> I know. I'm, you know, I love your mindset yeah. and it inspires me every time. It's like... You set your mind to something, and or you get an idea, or and then you just go for it, and yeah. it's super inspiring to follow you. So um, I just want to share that with others. I appreciate that. Well, my side of it is, I'll tell you the real story <laughs> if, in case you forgot. <laughs> I think we were on the phone like a, I don't know, like almost a year ago or something, and we just had one of those conversations where we were just talking about life and everything, and I just you were like. People need to hear this. <laughs> it's like yeah. I'm going to do a podcast, and we're going to do this. And then at first, it's just like, yeah, you should do that. And then we talked about it. And it was like, okay, well, maybe she will, maybe she will. And here we are, damn podcast. Yeah, that's so, the mindset. Yeah, thing, you know, exactly. if you can think it, you can do it. Absolutely, Yay. absolutely. So I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we have to do it. Yes, first of sure. many. Yes, for sure. Okay, so. Um, I googled a little bit because oh. I was like, I know you, Uh-oh. and our conversations are always like, okay, we just go, you know, yeah. it's not something we plan, but it's just whatever pops up, and then we just can't stop the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was like, is there something I don't know about you? Yeah, yeah. and uh, there is because you know I never heard about your story from you being in the U.S. and yeah. coming here and ending up doing music with. Lucas Graham, Christopher, and all yeah. these great guys. Yeah. So I'm so curious. I mean, yeah. Well, I I didn't know what Denmark was probably when I was a, when I was a teenager. So it's a very random way that it happened. But yeah. So I mean, to try to make it quick without making it quick, <laughs> it's kind of like, well, I'm from Texas, from Tyler, Texas. I was born and raised there. So. 
my mom's a teacher, my dad is a preacher, like a minister in church. And so it's kind of like the standard Texas upbringing, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, played football since I was eight, you know, and always had kind of dreams of doing that, you know, as far as I could possibly come. Every kid from where I'm from, your dream is to play in the NFL, Mm -hmm. you know? That's just how it goes. You know, football, NBA, some type of professional sport, because that's kind of all that you see because it's a little bit rough. Whenever I was on my way to play college football, which is also a very, very big step, Mm -hmm. you know, because as I tell a lot of people out here, I'm like, the college football games in America are like, you know, it's like 90,000 people, 100,000 people at those games. So it's big. Mm. It's like, it's like professional level, you know? So that was the dream to get there. And then you play and you try to keep going and keep getting better. And then you get to the NFL. Mm. That's like full on professional. It's like, it's kind of like if I can compare it to football here in Denmark, it's like you play for these, you know, FCK and you play for like Bronbu and you play for these things and you want to make it to like the national team. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because football okay. isn't an international thing. So mm. you can look at the NFL kind of like that. So was on my way to college football and uh, I just got tackled the wrong way and I broke my neck. You know, I fractured my second vertebrae. Yeah. So, uh, I was very lucky at that because usually when you're up there, that's what causes paralysis, mm. you know, from the neck down when you see people that can't even move their arms, you know. Wow. yeah. So. Um, you had a guardian angel right yeah, there. For yeah, for real, yeah. for real. So, yeah, once that happened, it kind of like shattered a little bit, you know, because I think it was more so because it's like a physical thing. You know, whenever you have, I felt like I could still play and I still rehabilitated a lot. You know, and I actually even played again. But it was just like when you have something like that on your physical, like the interest level just, it it drops. Yeah. You know, and you're, what your physical is in the in the States, it's like your medical examination. Mm. So it's like if you look, before you play any sport, you need a physical. You need a medical examination, especially for football. So it, a lot changed, and it just diluted basically into just not playing at all. You have two options where I'm from. You can either go and get, like, a factory job. You can get out. (laughs) Well, three options. You can get out. You can go and get a job at some factory. I even remember the names of the factory. It was, like, a factory called Kelly and a factory called Train. And those were, like, the good jobs for the man in Tyler, you know? Yeah. Or you can get in the streets activity, you know? So it's just kind of like that part was a little bit dark and kind of hanging around the wrong people, getting involved in some, in some things that, you know, you live and you learn. But luckily, you know, it wasn't really too long before I got out, you know. Mm. And so during that time when I was kind of in that activity, I had two brothers. I had my oldest brother who was living in New York. And he wrote songs for Michael Jackson and, J-Lo and Kelly Rowland and every a lot of people, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, then I had my brother out here who also started a rap group with his friend, you know, and they were doing mixtapes and things like that. So while I was there, as, while I was in Tyler, I was just kind of, my brother was bringing me in kind of as a 
young upcoming artists or whatever. And then we had our big brother who was actually doing the real deal, you know? Yeah. It uh, must we, also have been some kind of inspiration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was But crazy. did you compare yourself? So you were in Tyler and you were like, okay, I'm not going to work at the factory. So now yeah. I'm going to go and do some crimes so I yeah. can get more money. Exactly. And then you have your brother that shines. And exactly. It's yeah. like that combination of like yeah. not really knowing how to get out or where to start. But it's mm -hmm. kind of like, all right, well, I got to survive. But if I get a job, then I can't really pursue my music. I can't play football. You know, so it's kind of like this in these ropes. So... I'm doing what I need to do to survive and to keep money in my pocket. And I'm rapping, you know, on the side, you know, and we're doing these mixtapes and kind of going and playing little shows around Texas, you know? Yeah. So, But it still takes some kind of mindset, I think, because you're still, you know, you're in sort, some sort of depression due to you yeah. actually had a dream and that just totally failed for you because of the accident. And yeah. then you have a brother that shines, and then it's like, okay, it still takes a mindset to be like, okay, I'm gonna grab the hand and say thank you for the help and yeah. get, get out of it. Because a lot of people, you know, you see sometimes that people are caught in some kind of abuse or whatever, and people around them are trying to help, but it's like they make a decision like, I don't deserve to be there. Or yeah. So it takes something to still go from that Uh, situation to shift it how did you do that well something kind of drastic happened without it being too drastic you know so uh and you're absolutely right it's like you know when whenever you're from these places or what it's, it's it can be bad or it can be good it can be peace it could be hell mm -hmm. but a lot of people in general sometimes whenever you get so accustomed to something You can't even think about the ways out. You just kind of become accustomed to it. So you kind of become a little stuck in it. I mean, what happened is that, like, I was, I got into, like, some, like, trouble that wasn't as big enough for me to go away, <laughs> you know? Mm. But I got into some trouble where it involved my family. It involved my mom and my parents. And I was only probably 17, 18 at the time or whatever. And so I always jokingly say it's kind of like that, Uh, Fresh Prince, where it's like, you know, I got in one little fight and my mom got scared. She said, you're moving with your auntie. That's kind of what happened. You know, mm -hmm. I got a little kind of caught into some bad stuff. And my mom, she really didn't know because I was hiding from her, obviously. But once she found out that I was kind of mingling with these guys and kind of getting involved in some, in some substances and things like that, like she... Uh, she basically was like, you got to get the hell up out of here, mm. you know? You know, and my brother had already, my, my middle brother, he had already went to New York to kind of, like, try to feel it out. And he was there, like, um, actually, I think that he ended up just moving and getting an apartment. And I was just there. And even when he left, that kind of made me feel some type of way because I'm like, okay, both of my brothers are gone, and I was here for a little bit. So after he left and went out there, it was just like a no-brainer. Once these little things started happening, my mom was like, okay, get get the hell up out of here, mm. you know? So I moved to New York, and I never looked back, you know? And uh, that was the journey of everywhere that I'm at now, that that one step out of Tyler to New York. But it also takes some kind of mindset because I, you know, I haven't had a depression myself, but I see a lot of people, it's like 
you know, you get caught in some kind of gray zone yeah. in your head. So even though, yeah, you can go here, it's like, I can't do that. Like, you, you just freeze in some kind of way. It's yeah. like your body can't do or your brain can't think. So being able to actually take the steps. Yeah. Is that just, is that your mom pushing you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, sometimes, like, whenever the universe wants something for you mm. that you can't see, sometimes it'll just push you into it. Yeah. Unknowingly, you yeah, know? Yeah, So that was my mom, you mm. know? She didn't have any idea that I was going to do music or I was going to do anything from that. She just said, you're not going to be like all your friends, which all my friends have been in jail or they're either, you know, dead and gone, you know? From those type of things. So it's like, you're not going to do that. You're going to go. Yeah. And here's some money for that. And cheers the ticket. And bam, wow, good I get out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I went to New York and then I, yeah. And then I never, I've never lived in Tyler ever again since then. <laughs> do you, <laughs> you go know? visit though? My dad's still there. So yeah. every now and then I go and it's like, uh, <laughs> It's a it's a reflection. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, definitely okay. a reflection. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's yeah. a reflection. You know, I still have my some of my friends, Facebook and these social media things, that's what that's for. You yeah. still have that connection or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But it's like the only person in my family and we're seven in total. So the only person in my family that's still in Tyler is my dad. Mm. Everybody else got out. Yeah, okay. So yeah. <laughs> it seems like a town you have to get out of. <laughs> I mean, no, nah, I don't want to talk down on my hometown. No. It's like <laughs> but it's a small town, yeah. you know, no, like know there's only mean. so much that you can accomplish, yeah. you know. So, yeah, it, it's only so much that you can do from there. If you if you if you want to reach bigger, mm. you got to you got to kind of leave. Yeah. So and yeah. you did. And then yeah. you moved to a small country and then you're yeah. like, oh, it's a small town. And yeah. now you live in Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> random. You can random take the boy hell. out of the. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Back straight back to the suburbs. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, it was definitely the right move. And, yeah. uh, and New York is kind of where the real music stuff started. Yeah. So why did you move to to? Denmark and Copenhagen if New York is where the music is happening. Well, I mean, here we go. Now we're in New York. <laughs> so uh, when when I moved to New York, I was uh, just kind of... My oldest brother, who was already in the music industry, I always tell this to people. I'm like, he was very, very good at giving me the diaper and saying, you have to put it on yourself. Mm. You know? Yeah. So if you get the kind of the metaphor with so that. So it's like if you connect you, but you have to do the work. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So he would bring us to these industry parties and be like, hey, what's up? Hey, well, L.A. Reed, this is my brother here. Meet him. Hey, all right, I'm going to go get a drink. And I'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I can't That's talk to this guy. That's a good way to yeah, do yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So he just kind of like dropped these little carrots and after a while I started picking up on them you know after a while it's like okay I need to meet this guy I need to meet this guy so long story short before I moved to New York my brother was working very heavy with this producer named Multiman mm. who's a Danish guy oh. you know yeah. who was living in he went to Berkeley and he was living in New York as well producing mm. music so I met Multiman at like this songwriter conference thing or whatever. And so he kind of saw me. He was older, a lot older than me. And uh, he kind of saw me like, oh, this is Tehran's little brother. Okay, well, 
if you want to get in the studio, little buddy, then, you know, just come by my studio and let's test you out and see if you got anything. Not having any expectations. Yeah, yeah. it was almost like he was doing me a favor yeah. a little bit. Like, let me work with Teron's little mm. brother because ter- my brother had moved to L.A. by this time, you know. Yeah. So it's just like, oh, it's a little connection. All right, come mm-hmm. on, come by the studio. So I went by the studio. We wrote a song. It was a very funny, very testing, probably not a great song <laughs> at all. But I think that he saw potential in me. So came back, came back, and kept working with him and kept just – you know, having a good time, having some drinks, making some music. And uh, I developed a lot through him, you know, and to the point to where we did an entire album. This is my first independent album ever from New York. Mm. And that took me all the way to Japan to tour, like like a lot of cities in Japan and Tokyo and Southeast Asia and some of these places. And uh, never had a label or anything, but... I was doing shows all around New York, doing these showcases where we brought our own gear and then we would kind of rent out a little place, then start like a drink tab or whatever and get people in there. Did that a lot in New York. So Mm -hmm. showcases, more albums, just doing New York things. Yeah, yeah, but you still, you know, you're still doing something. It's not like you sit and be like, yeah, actually, I am very good with music. I know how to write a song. Let me sit here and wait for somebody to find out. Yeah, exactly. You do something. You we take initiative. Yeah, you we have were to. hustling, yeah. you know. So did that for a while, had the album out, and then the story continuing to how I got to Denmark. I started to build like a little bit of a Danish connection, you know, through Multi. And then one time... His daughter, who I had never met, came to visit him. And, uh, yeah, I thought that she was super gorgeous and (laughs) super hot. And I'm like, I have to go after that. (laughs) You know, so, you know, long story short, I went after that. We made, I mean, we we started a relationship. And then... um, And she lived in Denmark. And she lived in Denmark. Yeah, okay. So... You know, like we were going, we were long distance for, you know, maybe a year or something Mm -hmm. like that. And then we were, I think she was 20 and I was 22. So Mm -hmm. at that point we were like, okay, um, we have to be together because I can't do this long distance shit or whatever. So we had to do whatever we did to be together. So she came back and we got married. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that she could literally live in the States and we could actually build this relationship. It's one of those things where, like, when you're meant for somebody, you just kind of, like, you let the universe do its work. Yeah. Because we broke up twice. Yeah, but sometimes <laughs> you, know? you just need the space because, yeah. you know, when you're apart, you develop and you you reflect in a different way because you're yeah. like, okay, what went wrong? What can I learn from this? Was something, did I do something? And then you start to reflect on that. Yeah. And you start taking some steps towards changing these things that you discovered about yeah, yourself. exactly. So when you're in a relationship, it always, it's like a mirror because yeah. you see some of the sides. Okay, I don't like that. Get away from me. Yeah, <laughs> That's you. Exactly. You, yeah. You show, you show me some parts that I don't like about myself. Yeah. And then when you're apart, you're like, hmm. I kind of still have this. Yeah, but that's what it was. Yeah. Like, even when we were not to, well, we got to get back to the story and because this is part of it, yeah. <laughs> you know. We jumped two steps ahead. But, <laughs> no, so we were together in, 
and we lived in New York for three or four years. Mm. So I stayed there like one or two years prior. And so she came and she lived with me for three years. And then she was going to school kind of part time. We were both working at like the same club, making extra money. I was I was the door guy and she was a hostess, you know. So uh, it was like New York hustle, <laughs> trying to make money or whatever. And so school got too pricey and too expensive for what we were trying to do. So she's like, okay, I'm going to go back to Denmark and finish, you know, my bachelor's. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to come out and just do these tours visa visits Mm -hmm. to where I come for like three months for the max time. And I know enough people to where I can get into the studio, you know, and plus I was working with Lazzie at the time, you know, this is before, like, this is when Lazzie was managing me and Multiman, kind of like, and almost that's it. So whenever I told Lazzie that I was coming here to visit Cat, and he was just like, "All right, cool, I'm gonna set you up in the studio. We're gonna set up some sessions or whatever." Mm, Lazzie Sigismund. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he put me in the studio. Uh, oh well, that's a funny story as well because Lazzie was working with Taboo Records before. I don't know if you know about Taboo Records. That was the suspect. I know, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know Casper was also part of yeah, that. And yeah, and Casper yeah. was a part of yeah, that. Yeah, And so I guess that they were both kind of like, you know, like maybe working their way kind of out of that a mm. little bit, you know, because people had kind of moved around. Mm. So Casper found this young producer, Rasmus Hedegaard, mm-hmm. and Lazzie had me. And so Casper and Lazzy, knowing each other, was just like, all right, how about we put these guys together, see what they come up with? And uh, we just went to this. When I came to Denmark, the first person who I was working with was like Rasmus, you know? So we were just working, 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 and we created so many great songs. I wasn't even living here at the time. I was just visiting. And the songs became so good that we needed to come up with a band name so that we could, you know, like start to tour and, and whatever. So the first band name that we came up with, because Raz had a shirt that's, that he wore all the damn time, way too much. <laughs> but he had a shirt that said, then we take Berlin, mm. you know? Yeah. So we called ourselves, then we take Berlin. Because mm. I'm like, let's just call ourselves. There's no band that, let's just call it. And Laz and Casper was like, okay, well, then. <laughs> let's conjoin and then, you know, create a management company together so that we can manage these two. And then they call it the management company. Then we take the world. <laughs> but of course, you know, yeah. that's how it happened, yeah. you know. Wow. So, uh, and then, you know, I, I'm giving out the, the, the true story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you I know? love it. This love was it. before yeah. everybody. This was me, Raz, Lazzie, and Casper. I came out, I was recording with them and doing a lot of different music. And then we started doing sessions. So I started getting in the studio with like Cato, did a few songs with him. I got in the studio with like Cut Father and Remy and all Mm -hmm. these. These are like first time in Denmark on the visa. Straight in with these guys, you know? Good job. And all those were sessions that I didn't really think about. I just thought like, okay, I'm just working. So at a certain point in time, I had to go back. But... When I went back, I just got hit with phone calls and Lazzie and Cato and all these people telling me, like, okay, this song is here. Okay, this song is there. Okay, you got this song and Snoop Dogg is on it and da-da-da-da-da. And so we just built it to where, you know, we uh, we started touring, you know. We linked up with Cato and Yawn, and they just kind of allowed us to open up for them and 
then I would go on with Cato and like so it started to become work. And at that point, I was like, okay, once I got a work visa and it got approved and I could work, then I was here. Because it was like I was in New York doing some cool things, but it's just like out there everything is so political. So mm-hmm. if if you don't have the you know, the right team or if you don't sign over your life or if you don't then it's a lot harder to get that right placement. It's a lot harder to get that cut with Rihanna. Or, or I had so many cuts back then that were, like, under the surface. Mm-hmm. I literally had Janet Jackson record one of my songs. Okay. You know? Nice. Good job. But, but yeah, but that's yeah. as far as it went. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And when that's you pretty have, far. When you have those highs, though, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like, and nothing ever comes out of it. Mm. You just get caught in this situation of, like, it's just... Like there's limitations to it or something. Yeah. So you keep you just, go, trying to fight for it, and then it's like you keep having some kind of lid and go back down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, I, it, this is like a Jay-Z quote that I heard from a friend of mine who used to work with him, and it was just like he used to always say, like, people in New York kind of get it twisted. They can't tell the difference between situations and accomplishments. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so when you go to these big cities like Hollywood and everybody's caught into the situation, they're mm. like, oh, man, shit, I was yesterday, I was up at Bruno Mars' crib and we was violent, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, that's a high and that's a really cool story. But what did you accomplish off yeah, of that? Yeah, it's a situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a situation. Yeah. So I think that being in New York for as long as I was and being and rubbing elbows with some of these people, like some of these really big stars that – went on to do insane stuff. I was unaware of the feeling of an actual accomplishment. And I didn't get that feeling until I came to Denmark. Because when I came to Denmark and I was doing these records, I was like, oh, I was getting plaques. And it said, you know, three million people listen to this. You know, like, wow. I was doing shows and it was like, people are singing my song back to me. You know? And that feeling I was very unaware of when I was in New York. It was like, well, yeah, I was in the studio with Chris Brown yesterday, mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I spent three days with Lady Gaga. But you I don't did. know if it's going to bring anything, come in anything out of it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Janet Jackson did record one of my songs, and I still needed to find a way how I'm going to pay my rent, Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. this month. Yeah. So it's just like, Those feelings I was very, very mm. unaware of until mm. I came here. And it was just like, this makes me feel better. Yeah. You know, because I get to see, I get to create, and I get to see it do something mm. just by releases. But I guess it's also important that you are around people that, you know, has a good vibe. Because I know Lasse and Casper, and they both have a very good vibe, and they yeah. are positive people. And they also have goals and are going towards something. Now yeah. they're living in LA, so you know they they have some some goals in their lives. So being yeah. around that kind of people, I guess, some kind of way must also motivate you yeah. to be like, I like this vibe, and that yeah. brings more of this energy to also want to succeed and be part of it and do yeah, more. Yeah, absolutely. It's inspiring. Absolutely. I yeah. always always made a joke with Lazzy because Lazzy is so positive yeah. that it's annoying at a certain <laughs> point in time. <laughs> I'm like, I could call Lazzy and be like, dude, the doctor said I'm dying. He'd be like, really? 
well, think about all the crazy stuff you're going to do before you <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> before you die. <laughs> exactly. That's how last year. It just always yeah. sees the positive in everything. Yeah. And that pushed that push a lot of us yeah. a, a long way, you yeah. know, like just kind of like always feeling like we're going after something, you yeah. know, always feeling like we're going after something. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but that's how I got to Copenhagen. It was just, you know, started off as me coming to visit my, my wife, you know, and uh, just like try to do some sessions. Yeah. And then that went into everything else. You do spend a lot of time in the studio and I assume now I'm not a songwriter, but I assume that. When you are in the studio, you you have to turn inwards to where I'm, where I am I right now and what state of mind and and then you know um, you write from there. Yeah. And sometimes it can be motivating, and sometimes it's like I see a lot of uh, songwriters they write music when you know sad songs. Yeah. Is it easier to write sad songs than happy songs? Uh, I don't think that either one is easier than the other one. I think it's like, well, well, I can tell you one thing. Like, what I what I do as a musician, like, which is, you know, I'm a songwriter and producer. And, you know, what most people don't know is that when I came here to Denmark or, or in general, like, I was doing my own music and, and, and releasing songs or whatever, but I never really expected anything. I, I never came here. That's the reason why my all my music came after the Lucas Graham album. All my music came after the Christopher album. You know, it came after the Scarlet Pleasure. It came after all these people who I was working with. I was just like, I want to write songs. But what happened is that I was writing at such a heavy pace that I ended up slipping on a couple songs. Like, Twerk Like Molly had no direction. I didn't say, I want to do a song for me. So... That's kind of the difference in like whenever you look at some of the artists who write songs versus songwriters, you know, like we're all songwriters, but a lot of like artists are songwriters only for themselves. Mm. So yeah. it's a lot easier to, I don't want to say easier, but you know, you can paint your own picture however you want it. Yeah, I come in and I have to add to everybody's picture, you know? So I can go into the studio and I feel depressed as fuck and be like, well, actually, you know, I just broke up with my girl or whatever the hell it is. And then that artist that I'm working with might be like, I want to write a song about this new girl who I just fell in love with. <laughs> and you have to turn change, it change and be like, OK, here we go. Yeah. So that's more like an adaptive thing. So a lot but of But how do you do that? I guess a lot of people would be like, well, that's not going to be today because I'm kind of sad. I mean, practice, a yeah. lot of practice. Like the 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 reason why when I came to Denmark, I feel like when I came to Denmark, I kind of skipped the line. But because when I was in New York, I was writing four or five songs a day, you know, it's just practice, practice. And I wasn't writing songs for myself. I was writing four or five songs with four or five different people. So it was kind of like training yourself to be like, this is how, this is the structure of a song. This is how you write a sad song. This is what the the formation should be. The formula mm -hmm. should be. These are what chords we should go to. 
that's all practice. That's all just constantly doing it. But constantly isn't it, doing it also something about like you, you're happy for that other person. So setting your own feelings aside. Yeah. Because I think I learned that. Yeah, absolutely. I actually had a call one time where I was crying in my bed and one of my girlfriends called me and she's like, oh my God, I met this guy yesterday. And for some reason, it just changed my, in in, in that moment, I was her. Yeah. So I was just like feeling her happiness and I was like, oh, I'm so happy. And I was just experiencing it like this is me experiencing it, like, yeah. you know, in, a, in some kind of empathy. And and I just experienced her happiness, and I was so happy for her, like, generally. Yeah. And then afterwards, I was like, okay, but I'm not there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. I don't know if that's – of course, you can practice it, but I guess it's also some kind of way of being. Selfless. It's being yeah. a little selfless. Yeah, and just be really, truly be able to be happy for other people and go absolutely. into their mindset, where are you now? Absolutely. And set yourself aside. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, like, in this music industry, it's 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 definitely difficult for a lot of different people to do that. But whenever you're on that other side of the spectrum mm. where you just, where you make it about the music, you make yeah, it about yeah. making good music. Yeah. I, I don't make it about me. No. You know? Yeah. And so even in that sense, like, you, you'd be surprised, but most people, most of the successful people, that's the reason why they actually get successful is because they make it. Mm-hmm. It's just like, this is about me. I don't care what else is going yeah, on, blah, blah, yeah, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And whenever you don't have that outlook, whenever you have that outlook of like, this is about doing good music, this is about creating songs, this is about accomplishing things, then you kind of get in that bubble of like, as you said, selflessness. Yeah. So if I feel this way today and you feel like you're on top of the world, then let's tap into the on top of the world temporarily. I think that's the vibe I always get from you. Like, yeah. you know, even though then you can give me a call and you're like, yeah, this happened, this happened or whatever. And then I'm like, wow, because you always have this whenever you are out, you always bring your, OK, this must this whatever situation rest because now I'm here. Yeah. And then I I don't want to like reflect negative yeah. in this situation. And I kind of assume after listening to your story that. Coming to Denmark with that mindset and this positive vibe is also what brought you because, you know, if you meet somebody and you have this, I'm in a bad place today, so I can't write music. Of course, you're not going to go anywhere. But being able to set your own issues aside and be like, okay, I'm here now. And this is what we're going to do. And I'm going to bring all this positive to this room and to this song. And of course, it's you. You're nice to be around. Yeah. So you bring something to the studio that also gives energy to the other person you're working with. Absolutely, like so. big energy. Yeah. Yeah, I always say this. Like uh, whenever I'm giving an example, I always say this with all humility. I'm like, I am by far the best songwriter in anybody's world. You know, but I'm good. I'm really good at what I do, and I've been doing it long enough to understand how to work my way around the song. Mm. So that I'm really good at. Yeah. I'm not the best songwriter at as, as at all. It, you, know? you know, everybody has their own opinion and all own style. So yeah. you know. But what I say to people is I'm always like, 
But one thing that you can't beat me on is energy. Hmm. And I'm like, and if you go and you go to Dua Lipa right now and you say, okay, Dua Lipa, you have two options. We can put you in the studio with the best songwriter in the world, but he's an asshole. Mm. Or we can put you in the studio with a really good songwriter who's going to lift your spirits. Yeah, Everybody would choose the spirits. And I feel like that's how I kind of actually got around because it was like, well, you know, I can write some really good songs. And some days I miss, some days I hit or whatever. But people just kept me around because I just always brought energy, you know, because I'm just big on energy, big on positive vibes, big on optimism. Yeah. You know, we also talked about that, you know, when we when we are around people that has like a negative like, oh, this happened or oh, this person was stupid or all these things it just gives you like, okay, this is really not nice. And we talked about frequencies. Yeah. Because when you talk positive about people or you talk positive about yourself, then it's like the frequency changes. Yeah. I can I start to notice a change in my body. So that could be like a little test for the listeners to try and do if you are talking to somebody who is talking about something negative. Yeah. Or if you're talking to someone who's being positive and smiling and yeah, this was great or whatever. How you feel the change actually in your body? I feel it in my stomach. It's like boom, it goes. Yeah, because it's so uncomfortable. Yeah. So of course, with if you are able to regulate that frequency, or you know, say, oh well, let's talk about something else, or you change the subject, you can actually change the frequency and you change how you feel, and it's nicer for the people to be around you. Yeah. Absolutely. Which will bring you to a bigger network, which actually will take you further because it's just going to open doors. Exactly. So a positive mind is uh, is a good... Uh, it changes things. It does, really, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I think that that's just upbringing, yeah. you know? Upbringing. I also think it's mindset, and I think it's a decision. Because yeah. if you make a decision, I am going to look at this this is the worst that is going on in this situation. Or it would be like, okay, there's a lot of things that weren't good, but this one thing was yeah. really good about it. And yeah. I learned something. Yeah. I, I I believe so firmly in that. Like, it's just like the cup half full and the cup half empty. Yeah. You know, it's like a, it's a trait. It's like, it, as you said, you see everything the way that you want to see it. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And sometimes, you know, it's, 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 and, and, and you get what you see. Yeah. That's, that part that is, is the so real true. part. You yeah. manifest what you see. Yeah. So if you see the negative in every aspect, you're going to manifest negative results. Of course. You know, yeah. and when you see the positive, you lean into it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You can't really say that enough. Like you get what you, you get the energy that you put out. I saw something the other day that was talking about, oh, well, what about when you feel the negative feeling? Or what about when the trauma, like, because what most people do is they try to run away from their trauma. They try to run away from their problems. So that's when you start to get into substance and all these things that we'll probably talk about. But it's like you start to get into these things where, you know, it's escapism, you know? And it's like, okay, well, I don't want to deal with that, yeah. you know? 
And uh, this woman, I can't remember her name, Gabby something, but she said something that really hit me where she was just like, but what I always try to tell people is like, why don't you try to befriend it? Mm. Because you treat a friend differently. <laughs> you know, why don't yeah. you try to become a parent? This is coming up. These feelings that I have, I felt this before. And once you find and do the research, that, that's what I always say. You need to find out where it stems from. Yeah. You need to find out where it comes from. You know, once you do that, then you could just be at peace with it. But I also experience some people are like, yeah, because, you know, my mom or my dad weren't there for me. And then now this is just how it is. And this is how I am. Yeah. So you have to deal with me because I've been neglected and I'm the victim. And this is very hard for me. Yeah. Like, yeah, when you were six or 10 or 12, but you're grown up now. Yeah. So nobody is going to. Do that for you. Yeah. You got to do the work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it goes back to the beginning of the conversation of when you're stuck and mm-hmm. you don't really know the way out. But it's like, you, and you know what? Like, this is good old body SDS. <laughs> but, you know, like, what what I never knew and what, like, blew me away mm. was I was doing a session and... um You know, Morton, the guy who who I uh, work with on that, he, uh, you know, just was touching. You know about this, too, because you tried it. But he was just touching specific parts of, like, okay, my ankle and my leg and these things and being like, okay, this represents, you know, uh, your childhood. You know, this when you're in the core, that's more like a disconnection with your father. And there's so many different crazy things that I never knew about, but... Like, I just remember, like, something happened where he was, like, touched here. And then I was like, okay, now I need you to focus on your breathing. And I just bawled out crying. Ah! Like, you know, it was like, and it was that moment. I was very unaware of it. But it was at that moment that, I mean, and and I obviously had done my research on it. But it was in that moment where I became a believer of the idea of how much stuff you store in your body. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And how this gonna forever be there. So you might be an adult, but that little girl is still in you. Yes. <laughs> you might be an adult, but that little mm-hmm. boy is still in you. Yeah. And he's still making moves without you even knowing until you address him. You know? Until you take the time and you start to dig into yourself and try to figure out, like, okay, why am I doing this? Why am I this way? Okay, what am I lacking? What am I missing in life? And I was missing a connection with my dad. I was mm. missing some answers from my dad. My dad and my mom got divorced when I was eight. Mm. And they announced their divorce on my eighth birthday. Wow. You know, it was, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I remember that like it was yesterday. Of course. I, I remember what I was wearing. Yeah. yeah. You know, but I've never addressed it. I've never, like, I was too young to be like, Dad, why? What, like, what actually happened with you and Mom? Like, oh, well, you know, Mom, what actually did you feel about Dad that brought up these negative, this negative energy about him? Dad, what made you feel like you needed to divorce Mom on this occasion? What made, And I was holding on to all these things mm. without even knowing. You know, so, oh, well, why do I, you know, uh, struggle with 
attachment. But of course, you know, as a child, you know it's an uncomfortable situation for both your parents. So, of course, you're not going to be like, why? Why are you going to do that? Yeah. So, because you care about them, you're not going to say anything because you don't want to make it worse. Yeah. So, you just keep it inside. Exactly. So, of course, that's a normal response. But when you do exactly that, when you keep it outside, the damage mm. is in you. Exactly. You know? Yeah. My parents are old and retired and live their life the way that they live. And I'm still here making everyday moves with this little boy trapped inside of me who doesn't have answers. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, I had to get some answers. Yeah, good And it wasn't even a situation where it was like, it was, it was very difficult for me to even get the urge to call my dad and be like, Dad... But luckily, like, I, I made that phone call, and it was on, like, my, my one of my birthdays. He called me, and he's just like, I was like, Dad, I love you, and I think, obviously, you know, we haven't talked for a little bit because we kind of, I took, like, some space to try to process everything. Mm. And then I just hit him with how I was feeling, and he hit me with, like, I'm I'm happy because I knew that you've been holding on to this mm. and I was waiting on the time for you to have the courage to ask me about it. What do you want to know? Wow. And a weight oh. of life, yeah. you know, a weight like a, it was almost like, you know, like yeah. keto or something happened. <laughs> <laughs> but just a weight just came off of me of like something that I felt like this is this this has me struggling with you know, in the past, in we're struggling with commitment. This has me struggling with uh, fear of abandonment. This has me struggling with my kids. This has me struggling. This has me struggling with a lot of things unknowingly. And it is our own responsibility to heal ourselves. Absolutely, and I mean, with all the information out right now, it's just like it's no, it's no, yeah, it's no reason to not kind of go after that you know mm. like i know 70 year old dudes who still are acting in their trauma but it's you difficult because yeah. it does hurt yeah it's not easy to do you have this sadness or this pain and the body is wired to escape the pain yeah so that's the natural instinct of course we're going away from what hurts yeah absolutely. that makes sense so when you look inwards and you st you have to go into this trauma you you're going to cry yeah, and it is going to hurt and you're going to feel the pain. But after that, there's a release. Yeah. And then it goes away and you heal yourself. It's just like the good old saying with like, whenever, obviously, you know, I stopped drinking for yeah. a while yeah. and, you know, like now I'm at the point where I can have a beer. It's no problem. It's whenever you're addicted to what it does to you, mm. when whenever it's an escape route, yeah, whenever yeah. it's like, you start to make excuses for doing things that aren't so cool mm. or harming other people yeah. or harming other people's emotions, you know? Yeah. Like, it's these things where you start to make these excuses. So you notice that. That's why you stopped drinking or you stopped drinking to figure out what was going on? I mean, shit. Oh, well, open that can. Open <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I was trying to escape something, you know? Like, so it was a situation where I got to the point to where I started drinking, you know, whenever I went out to play shows mm. and I started to get blackouts and not even remember. And so what happened is that after my kid was born, what I really struggled with, because he was born in 2016 
and I, I was coming off of touring almost the world. And whenever this kid was born, he became the most important thing in my life. Like unknowingly, mm-hmm. you know, because you can't prepare for that feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, no one can. Mm-hmm. You can't prepare for that feeling like, all right, well, I have to protect you for the rest of my life now. You know, you're the most important thing. Like as soon as I see you, I will end my life for you. Mm. No question. But basically what I did is I packed up my apartment in Copenhagen and I moved all the way out to the country because that's I wanted to get away far Mm. (laughs) because I'm like everything about this city has been like my gift and my curse. Mm. (laughs) You know, the gift of networking and meeting a lot of people, the curse of having every option, every opportunity to go out, every restaurant, every club, every blah, 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 blah. Mm. And I'm like, I just know the way that I am, if I'm going to do anything right by this kid, I need to detach myself. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I did. Yeah, like a cold target. Yeah, Yeah. moved out to the country, far away, you know, like, okay, here we go. This is home. But you were still making music. I was still making music. Yeah. So you had to go in and be in the city still, though. No. No, okay. I so built you're... a studio in my house. Mm. So I was at my house. I was in the country <laughs> yeah, okay. creating songs. And even the songs that I was creating, I felt like I was forcing them. Mm. I felt like, okay, I have to do something. And it came out like that. Yeah, You course. know? But mentally, I just wasn't there. It was just like, oh, well. And it's also kind of like I used to sing about the party life because... You know, those single spurts Mm. where I wasn't, where me and my wife had broke up, like those single spurts, that's what I did. Mm. I was out partying all the time and drinking and just living it all the way up, Mm. trying to get something that I felt like I needed because Mm. I've been in this relationship for so long or whatever. That's what I was writing about. Mm. You know, when I listen to my album before the last, it's like I hear it now and I'm just like, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I hear that album and I'm just like, oh my God, Jesus Christ, my sons could never hear this. <laughs> but it, it's because, like, I was living that. I was yeah. partying and just, it was a whole different phase. Yeah. <laughs> that was so good for you making that decision because. Because you're able to look back and be like, oh, shit. Yeah. That's because you actually developed and matured. And now you see it in a different perspective. And if you would have been standing still, you would still be there. Yeah, absolutely. So it just shows you moved, which is beautiful. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously going into that point, it was like that not being able to balance it, not knowing who Mm -hmm. I was. Struggle with identity. Yeah. So I just was in the country drinking. But also expectations, right? So you're around people who expect you to act or be or do in some certain way and then be yourself in that and no, I'm not going to drink or I'm going to go home or how was it to deal with that? I mean, in the first part of it, like I felt like it was necessary Mm. and that's where I kind of got it wrong and that's where the balance came in. So I felt like it was necessary to like, okay, well, I still need to remain this identity Mm. so on this day you know okay well let's go and Mm. now go into the city and party and drink until no return come home all hours of the night or whatever and uh my wife she wasn't really on that shit it was she she was like a mother (laughs) and I just hadn't really crossed over yet Mm. I knew that I 
love this kid. I knew that I never wanted to leave this kid or whatever, but I just didn't know how to break away from that guy mm-hmm. and become this guy. You or know, combine them. In or some combine kind of, them. Yeah, I just yeah. didn't know. So mm-hmm. I just turned more. My drinking became heavier, heavier, heavier mm-hmm. to the point to where it got bad, you know, and it just kind of like something had to change. Yeah. So, and it was always just kind of like, all right, well, let me just take a break. Or, all right, let me just, uh, you know what? Let me just stop. Yeah. Because I've been drinking for the last, I can't even remember, but mm. years. And I know exactly what my life is like there, but I have no idea what my life is like without. It was that feeling of like, this is a problem, you know? Yeah. And this is affecting me. This is re- affecting my relationship. This is affecting my connection with my kids. This mm-hmm. is affecting everything. Yeah. Whenever I decided to stop, I remember calling my mom and telling my mom. And I remember when I told her, like, I broke down. And my mom was, like, very encouraging. And she was just like, you got this. You can do this. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do this. Like, I know you're strong enough to do this, blah, 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 blah. And then I remember saying to her, and I was like, yeah, but it's not the drinking, Mom. It's not because I'm scared that I'm going to fall back in. It's because I don't know who the fuck I am mm-hmm. without it. My entire life has been party. My entire life has been the high energy, like, turn up king, like, mm-hmm. get the party started, turn yeah. it up. I come in with the bottles. Let's mix this up. This is too it's too cold in here. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know who I am without it. So mm-hmm. I think that I'm, I'm crying and I'm sad and I'm frustrated because I don't know the identity, where the identity goes from here. Mm-hmm. Like, do I just become a dad and that's it? Like, or do I balance this? And at the time, mm-hmm. I didn't know. But what I figured out is that I would shortly figure out that it would make me more focused than I've ever been in my life. Mm-hmm. Because then <laughs> there was just so much extra space. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like I didn't know how much space it took up in my life. But the space just became massive. I'm like, what am I going to do in all this damn space? <laughs> all this time. <laughs> <laughs> I became a real estate guru. Yeah. I opened up more companies. Yeah. Did a little bit of this. Start, started my own label. Started this. Uh, like it was like okay. Well, Jesus, wow. you know. Yeah. And it's just like that's what it does. That's what an eye opener. That's the blur yeah. <laughs> that you've been living in for yeah. all these years. You don't mature as an adult until something else matters more than you. True. And that part is what hit me. <laughs> Have you, you know? also experienced when you look at your kids, all of a sudden it's like you remember a memory from that around that age. Like, oh my God, I, I used to do that. Yeah. And it's like you relive it through them yeah, in some absolutely. kind of way. Something you've forgotten. Absolutely. So I think there's such a, for me, it's been a great healer having my daughter. Yeah. Because when something in a situation happened and... Maybe in that situation, the the grown-ups around me didn't nurture me or, you know, holding me, whatever I needed. But then I do that to her, and it's like I'm actually doing it to myself 
yeah. what I wish that the grown-ups would have done at that time when Absolutely. it happened to me. Absolutely. So I think having a child, not saying that everybody should go out and yeah. just, just have a baby, yeah. then you heal. <laughs> but that's what I said. It's like, it's not, there's some people who are still at the club, Yeah. you know, and they should thank do God that. for Momo. And, and they take responsibility and be like, I don't want kids. Yeah, So And exactly. that's also taking responsibility because if you know that's where you want to be, then of course don't do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But it is a, for me also been a great healer. Yeah, it's just like yeah. okay, I kind of got to get my shit together. Yeah. You know because I'm kind of shaping someone. Mm. And you know like the biggest failure, it's not a record to me. Mm. It's not like oh I put that song out and it didn't do good. Like fuck that. Mm. It's like the idea that if I don't instill everything that I know in every being of positivity and wanting to be great and wanting to do something with it. If I don't instill every bit of that into my kids, then what's the purpose? Yeah. I heard someone say this. It's just like, whenever it's your time, it's not about how much money you made or it's not about how much. It's about like, at that point in time, it becomes about like, how many people are going to remember you and mm -hmm. how are they going to remember you? Yeah. But I also feel like the more healing that we do on ourselves, the more of the damage. And let me tell, like, we're all parents and we're all going to do mistakes. Yeah. And we're all going to give our children some trauma and then yeah. we have to do it. But <laughs> of course, it's not something you do on purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's just how it is. We do the best we can, but, you know, we make mistakes because we're human. Absolutely. So it's all good. Of course, don't hit your kids or yeah, that's absolutely. not what I'm talking about. But we're all going to do something where they're like, oh, but you weren't there for me at this situation. And be like, oh, I thought you got it. Yeah, You know, and then it's whatever happens and you have to talk about it. That's so funny because I always <laughs> say that. I'm like, no matter what we do, they're going to always come back and be like, dad, you never did. They'll be like, motherfucker, I did everything. <laughs> like, that, that's how you feel. Yeah. It's like, but I guarantee you, no matter what you do, your kids going to come back and be like, you were never there for me when I did the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm the one who took you there. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's bound to happen. Yeah. So you just have to open that line of communication and just be like, be an easy, like, pillow yeah. for your kids, yeah. you know? Okay, so the last thing, my daughter, I told her, I'm going to have Brandon Bill in the studio. Oh. And she's nine years old. I actually have a picture of you and Lucas holding her in L.A. when she was eight months, that. Eight months yeah. old. Yeah, We was in Hollywood yeah. at that cafe. Yeah, you know? exactly. Crazy. And you were wearing that uh, cross with yeah, the diamond the diamond cross. <laughs> come For a long way. Team No Necklace. <laughs> grown man That was shit. the gangster days. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, she had a question because she says that how is it to be popular yeah. or famous? Because if it's nice, she would love to be famous or popular. <laughs> yeah. But she also heard some people die. Okay. Because they're famous and popular. Okay. You know, we have the Swedish producer committing suicide. We have artists who, who didn't get to get adult or whatever. Yeah. Like they, yeah. they weren't really grown ups yet. Um, and because she heard of that, she's like, how is it for you? Yeah. to be a popular, famous person? Well, that's a good question. I would say popular. I, I wouldn't say famous. I, I think that it's like, 
I have the select few <laughs> that are like, ain't that the guy who did the with the other guy? And yeah, I think that's him. I don't know his name. <laughs> that's how famous I am. <laughs> I'm the guy who did the thing with the other guy. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, such a good question. But I would say like intentions mean everything with that and gratitude go a long way so when you slip up on like and and I'll say that because that's my story because I never did it to be famous mm. I did it because I loved it and I was good at it yeah. and then it just happened something came out of nothing and even to this day you know every single person who comes up to me or who recognizes me from something or whatever like I will have a full conversation with these people mm. because I know that it's going to go away. Mm. It will. And there's a lot of people out there who don't feel like that. Mm. They feel like it's forever. Yeah, okay. And when you have this, when, when you have that feeling, you just start to lean into it more. You have more gratitude for it. You start to understand how, how much it takes <laughs> For someone to actually mm. be interested in you or anybody for that matter. Yeah. So you you go at it in a different way. You have a different mentality for it. But if you don't have that gratitude for it, if you don't like, if, if it's something that you're going at it for the wrong reasons, then it's detrimental. Yeah. Then it goes really bad. Then it gets the best of you because that's the seeking validation. And that's something that stirs back. That's like childhood stuff. So it's like there's people out there that are famous and, and, and that it's a disease. It's, it can be an addiction mm. to the point to where you start doing everything for it. I have a personal story that's like just recently happened. My, my last record label, I was releasing my last album and it was just like wasn't really doing anything or whatever. And it was kind of like, oh, it's because you need to be more active and you need to be more present on social media. Mm. And it makes sense, of course. Like, you're an artist, you're trying to promote a record. Mm. Be more present on social media. So I just remember I started doing these little videos, like, you know, just coming up with these concepts of like, okay, what do people want to hear from me? As long as I've been in Denmark, I've had work visas, Mm. You know, yeah. and in my work, I was working for record labels and music companies or whatever. And the last thing that they want me to learn is Danish because I'm here to write English songs mm. for the English people. It's about making international music. So they were like, OK, do your thing. You don't have to learn anything. As mm. long as you know Fleska style, you're good. Go out there and write some songs. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very easy country to be in for a long time. And you look up and you're like, damn, I don't really know that much Danish. Mm. So it wasn't until recently that I applied for the family visa. And in that visa, you have to learn Danish. Mm. So I had to take the A1. I had to take the A2. And both of those I passed without taking a Danish course. Mm. So I knew more. And then I got my little YouTube refreshers and things like that. But I was in a stage where I had to learn Danish, mm. you know. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I could actually start to document this and, like, start to make it like a, you know, like a thing on mm. TikTok or whatever. And so I started to do these little videos about learning Danish and kind of going through the I grocery store. I think of someone in the kitchen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And these things went crazy. Yeah, it you was know? fun. Yeah. I did one, like, and, and I gained, I don't know, 40,000 TikTok followers. Wow. You know, and off of like two or three posts, I gained 40,000 more TikTok followers 
on Instagram, I did one post and I got 10,000 new Instagram followers and all these things. And you start to kind of get these feelings like, oh, okay, people are popular. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You start to get these feelings. But my feeling was kind of opposite because I'm like, I feel like I'm kind of putting a little bit too much effort doing something that I feel like I'm not really, I'm I'm not there. Mm. Like I like to spend, I'm very inward. I like Mm. to spend my time with my kids and be at home and are either in the studio making music. Like I'm just like a, I'm a homebody. Like I just like, I like to go and be in my cave Mm. and focus on the things that matter to me, which is music, which I do every single day, which is my family, which I do every single day. And so all the extra stuff, it kind of felt extra, (laughs) you Mm. know? And so when I was getting all these new followers and all this, it didn't do anything for me because it was like, okay, but what is this for? You know, this is for something that you feel like, like you you feel like you have to do this Mm. in order to get the followers. And then the followers give you the status and Mm. the status gives you what, you know? Yeah. If you like my music, listen to my music. Yeah. I shouldn't have to do, you know, cartwheels on TikTok for no, you to for no. you to like that. And if you don't like it, then you don't like it. Yeah. But it just felt out of my element and it became more about like, oh, well, now I'm more doing this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I'm doing this to get more famous. And it's never been about that for me. Mm-hmm. You know? You get trapped in that bubble and yeah. you get trapped in that cycle of like Oh, more followers, more mm, likes, more yeah, followers, yeah. more likes, and you start to lose yourself in it to the point to For where sure. you, you don't even know why you're doing mm. it. Because what do those followers do? What do they get you? Mm. You know, they get a partnership deal. Okay, you can do a little, you know, post with Skittles or something like that <laughs> or whatever it is. that it. Yeah. But what does it do for the value of your life? I think it's a good point, and I think it's good to think about that before you do it. If it feels like, okay, I'm forcing myself, yeah. it takes so much energy to do this. I'm thinking about it all day because I have to do this post. Yeah. It takes way too much energy. Exactly. Yeah. You can spend hours <laughs> editing a TikTok. Yeah. You know, you could spend, and I'm like, this is just taking away time from the thing that I'm really good at. Mm. So it's kind of like, yeah, I have a whole thing with that. But I just feel like, like, ultimately, if you have the right intentions, to go mm. back to the questions, if you have the right intentions yeah. with fame, then it'll just come to you. Mm. So, so being a popular person is okay if you're able to listen to yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. As we talked about earlier, everything that you put out, you manifest, you know? So if you have the wrong intentions, you might Mm -hmm. get fame, but it'll probably be for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Whenever I put so much emphasis and whenever you put so much focus on it, you're going to get exactly what you want, but you'll never see past the curtain of what you're capable of. Mm. True. And that comes with zoning in having gratitude, being grateful for what you got, Mm -hmm. being thankful for every opportunity, learning from your mistakes. That comes from all that stuff. And then just not focusing on this, but just focusing on those things. Mm. Then that's when the big bucks start to come. That's when it'll just rain in on you whenever you're Mm -hmm. least expecting it because you're in tune with yourself Mm. and you're in tune 
gratitude. Yeah, gratitude is. Uh, I feel it in my body instinct. Like in in a second, when I start changing it to gratitude and feeling, I really appreciate. I go into the forest and I thank the trees for holding the space because yeah. I feel it, it in the forest has an amazing space yeah. and peace. So I'm like. In my head, thank you, trees. I love you. <laughs> That's <laughs> next level. I'm just really grateful. No, but I feel I remember, it. <laughs> yeah, for, for those on the camera, Michelle, she told me about thanking my water. Thank you for the nutrition. Yeah. And thank you for everything you. <laughs> that you're putting into me. Thank yeah. you for the health. Yeah, and for the healing. That's actually true. You and change, it tastes change, better. You change the down. frequency in the water. Absolutely. It's so interesting, frequencies. I actually heard a story. This is not about the water, but about, about the manifestation. Yeah. Um, this woman, she um, she was like, okay, I have 100,000 in my account. I have 100,000. And she saw the picture of 100,000 in her account. And then her mother's like, oh, we're going to sell the car, but we want to give it to uh, to your daughter. So we want to give the money to your daughter. Yeah. Okay, so they sold the car, put the hundred thousand into the mom's account, so she could buy a new car to her daughter or give the money to her daughter. So it was like, yeah, they were there, yeah. but for a very short moment of time, yeah. and then they had to <laughs> had exactly. be passed on. So when you're manifesting, you have to be a little precise in what you want, and you need to tune into the feeling, like mm, this is what it's gonna do for me, and. The good vibes about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the last thing, do you have any advice that you haven't given that you think you would give to the listeners? Ooh, advice. Mm. I mean, I know that we've talked about this, but this is like the best advice that I have in 2023 myself. Mm. After everything that I've known and been through, I would say, get to know yourself. Mm. And try to find peace inside that person. Great that advice. part for me is everything. Mm. Like I'm on this journey to like, I, I want to be somewhere in Indian style on the top of a mountain one mm. day, just singing hymns. I don't know what it is that I'm after, but mm. I'm after like that type of peace. Yeah. Like I'm just so I've, I've spent the last three years of my life and, and it, it takes time because I'm still not there, but I've spent the last three years of mm. my life digging into myself. Yeah, good for you. Because I've spent a lot more years prior to that just escaping. Escaping, from it. exactly. Yeah. So it's a process, but I'm And be patient in with yourself in Absolutely. the process. And then know, because I started many years ago because I, I also needed that piece or actually the control that I sometimes felt that people had over me because of some trigger points. I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. So I needed to look into what is this? Why yeah. is this happening? Why does it keep happening? And the process is long. And whenever you get to one point, another one opens up. Yeah. It's like an onion. And you know what? That's going to be... I th I don't think the process is going to end once you start it. Yeah. And you feel how much good it does for you. You don't feel like stopping. There will always come another layer. Yeah. And that's because you're also constantly evolving mm. and figuring yourself out and mm. figuring out the new layers that grow. I think that the moment that you start to turn things inward, that's when life starts to make sense. That's when everything in your life starts mm. to make sense. Yeah. 
And take responsibility. Yeah. Oh, this happened. Hmm, how can I have done this differently? What choices could I have done differently? And then go from there. Absolutely. And take it as hmm, lesson learned. 100%. Thank you so much for coming and for yeah. This was awesome. It. Yay. Find that inner peace. Yeah. That's what we're doing. That's the <laughs> word for today. <laughs> yeah, completely. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Tak for at være med os i dag i Sjælens Univers. Jeg ser frem til næste gang, hvor jeg igen har en spændende gæst i studiet. Indtil da, pas på dig og hinanden. Tak fordi du lyttede med til Sjælens Univers, den modige vej.